Praise God. Hallelujah. God bless you this morning. I'm Pastor Chuck, and welcome to the Word at My Church. If this is your first time joining us, we want you to know you're in exactly the right place. You're exactly where God wants you to be, and I want to encourage you to share this broadcast with at least three people, because as believers, we have a mandate to spread the gospel of Christ all over the world. We are a teaching ministry with a mission to help people get better by teaching them how the word works. So go ahead and get your Bible, your notebook, your pen, your highlighter, and let's get ready to dig into God's word. But before we do, let's begin with our Bible confession. So go ahead and grab your Bible in your hand and repeat after me. This is my Bible. I believe every word. I am who it says I am. I can have what it says I can have. I can do what it says I can do. By hearing its word and applying it by faith, it'll change my life. So I declare right now from this day forward that my life will never, ever, ever be the same again. And neither shall the life of anyone with whom I share this word. So I declare I'm going to share this word with someone so that their life may be changed forever. In Jesus name. Amen. Now, this morning, I have a very, very special treat for you. Uh, if you follow our ministry, then you know, uh, a little bit ago, during one of my messages, I mentioned uh, a concept. We were talking about restoring the soul because we've been talking about the fact that this is the year that God's going to restore the church to its place of greater influence and impact. And we've been talking about this restoration process. And I was talking about restoring our mind, our will, our emotions, our thought process. And I mentioned a concept by this wonderful pastor, part of our covenant family, uh, Pastor Shun Strickland. And I was telling you about this this, this concept that she taught that, uh, that, I, that I saw a post that she had posted on social media and I started elaborating on it a little bit. And I was telling you, I said, oh man, it's so phenomenal, life-changing that when I saw it and I shared the revelation with you. And this morning, we are so privileged and so blessed to have Pastor Sean Strickland come and share with us some of that great revelation teaching that she has about this principle of restoration. Because I'm telling you, it's going to bless you. It's going to help you on this journey we've been on. We've been talking about who we are in Christ and the authority that we have and operating in that principle and how all of these things are going to put us in the place to be and do what God's called us to do. Well, I'm so excited about what she's going to share with us that's going to help take us to that next level. Pastor Shun and her husband, Pastor Edwin Strickland, pastor the Fellowship of Champions in Fayetteville, Arkansas. And so I'm going to get out of the way and let Pastor Shun come and bring her ministry gift to the body of Christ. She's a great part of the body of Christ, a part of the covenant family that we belong to under Apostles Tony and Cynthia Brazelton. And I'm so excited about their ministry gift. And so I'm going to get out of the way and allow Pastor Shun to do what she does. So Pastor Shun, come on and bring that word. Good morning, Pastor Tuck and this wonderful church family and viewing audience. I am Pastor Sean Strickland, and I am super excited to be here this morning. Listen, I love the work that he and his beautiful wife, Pastor Stephanie, are doing in order to equip the body of Christ to walk in their true identity and to be all that God has called us to be. And I am excited to get to share a little bit my role, my understanding in that. So just a little bit about myself. My name is Pastor Sean Strickland. Um, I am married to my husband, Pastor Edwin Strickland, and we pastor the wonderful church of Fellowship of Champions Church International, which is located um, in Fayetteville, Arkansas, but has virtual um, international outreach. And so um, a little bit about me is that we've been in ministry for 23 years, and I have also worked as a Christ-centered life coach strategist um, for about 13 years. And so what I'm going to be talking to you about today is what I see as the merger or the expansion between the relationship of hearing word and then knowing how to practically apply 
apply that word in our lives. So I'm going to be talking about something tonight today called soul shifting. And before I do, I just want to pray right quick, pray that all of our hearts would be open to receive what the Holy Spirit would desire to do in us. And then we will jump into the teaching. Most gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we give you praise with much thanksgiving. We bless you. We honor you. We adore you. We declare that you are worthy and we are so grateful to be saved. We thank you for the freedom and the new identity that you have given us through the Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you for the privilege of being filled with your precious Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you lead God, teach and instruct us, direct us in the way that we should go and bring us into all truth. And so we ask you to do that as we hear this teaching this morning, every place that we have believed a lie, every place that we where we are in agreement with something that does not align with the word of God and God's plan for our lives, illuminate it for us and help us to break out of it. You said that anytime that we can see here and understand that we shall be converted and shall be healed. So I boldly declare that today is our day of seeing, hearing, understanding, conversion, and healing in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So I grew up in a small town in Arkansas called Fordyce, Arkansas. I was raised by my grandmother and I went to church a lot as a kid. And so I've always loved church. Um, I've always been a church kid. And one of the things that I noticed pretty early on was how many believers who went to church consistently who loved Jesus, but their life didn't change. And so they showed up for Sunday school. They showed up for Sunday service. And I, we were Baptist. So we went to Baptist training union, went to district meetings, went to the conventions, but fundamentally their day-to-day -day life didn't change. And I really believe that God started staring me with that question, even as a kid, because I would want to know how these people could go to church and to not change, meaning their life wasn't getting better. They weren't experiencing financial breakthrough. Their marriage wasn't improving. There wasn't any transformation, even though they said they believed God could do anything. Well, um, years later, fast forward, um, this scripture would begin to illuminate to me, which is Romans 12 and 2, which is a very familiar passage of scripture that I'm sure everybody knows. And it says, um, it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is the good, what is good, acceptable and perfect. The King James says that you would know what is that good, perfect and acceptable will of God for your life. But the thing that stuck out to me was when it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I began to think, I believe inspired by the Holy Spirit, that it would be impossible to change a mind that you did not first know how that mind thought. And I began to realize that one of the biggest challenges in the transformation of a born again believer is our unawareness of our own thinking, that we don't think about our thinking. We're not metacognitive in our thinking. Now, 3 John 2 tells us, beloved above all things, I wish that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Well, what is your soul? Your mind, your will, your emotions, your intellect, and your imagination. So I can only prosper to the degree of my soul, and my soul is where I think, my mind. And so if I can't change my thinking, I can hear scripture that tells me that the blessing of the Lord belongs to me, that healing belongs to me, that deliverance belongs to me, that household salvation belongs to my family. But yet, because I do not know how I think in order to transform my thinking, I end up stuck. And so over the years, I would test this in the beauty shop, in the nail shop, with whoever I could get to listen. And finally, what emerged is, that it's, is this work that I call soul shift. So I want to give you a definition of soul shift. Soul shift is an intentional decision to align one's soul with God's word. It is an intentional decision to align one's soul 
with God's word. So is it, it is an intentional decision, meaning it doesn't happen automatically just because I get saved. It doesn't happen automatically just because I get filled with the Holy Spirit. It doesn't happen automatically just because I go to church and sing praise and worship songs. It's an intentional decision to align my soul, my mind, my will, my emotions, my intellect, and my imagination with God's word. The purpose of a soul shift is to move the believer from having an an experience-based identity to a God's word identity. The purpose of a soul shift is to move us from having an experience-based identity to a God-based identity. So what does that look like? Maybe you've had chronic sickness in your body and the doctor has said there is no cure, but the Bible says by his stripes, we were healed. Now, in order to adequately walk that out by faith, I have got to begin to deal with my thinking, my soul, my mind, my will, my emotions, my intellect, my imagination, the things that I have experienced that contradict what God has said. One of the things my husband and I like to say is that faith does not deny facts. Faith denies the right of facts to trump God's word. So it may be true that you were diagnosed with this. It may be true that your credit score looks like this. It may be true that this is your level of education, but it may be, I mean, it may be facts, but the truth is that God's word can transform any situation in your life if you believe. Now, this means that I am going to have to become a person who begins to think about my thinking and a person who gives the Holy Spirit permission to expose the lie-based thinking, I believe. So if we go to church any length of time, we can become familiar with the scriptures. We can become familiar with the scriptures that say Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. We can become familiar with the scriptures that says it's the will of God for me to prosper and be in health even as my soul prospers. We become familiar with the scripture that the blessing of the Lord maketh rich and adds no sorrow or familiar with the scripture that says he satisfies me with long life and renews my youth like the eagles, right? Man, we can become familiar with that and that can become a place of mentally assent, meaning I intellectually understand what you are saying and I agree, but I have not dealt with my soul where my soul wars against the word of God. Man, I hope that's making sense to you because it's been absolutely transformational for my life, for my family. It is absolutely, there's so many testimonies that when I can do the work of allowing the word to transform, to renew my mind, then I am able to prove, experience for myself, God's good, perfect, and acceptable will of God. Because we need to be clear, God never intended for us to live in defeat. He never intended for us to live in bondage of any kind Jesus came to set us free and to destroy the work of the enemy. However, we have to receive it by faith. And a huge part of faith is dealing with our soul. We must be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Well, what are some of the benefits of a soul shift? A soul shift is going to move us from a place of living as a victim to being victorious. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 15 and 57, thanks be to God who has given us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. So I don't know what you may be facing right now, but I came to tell you that you have victory. Now it becomes your responsibility to take that word and say, where in my soul do I disagree with that? Where in my soul are my memories bigger? Are my experiences bigger? Is the pain that I'm feeling bigger? Because I am not supposed to be victim to what I'm facing. I use the word of God to transform my circumstances into the will of God. Now, the other thing that I always think is so important when we begin to talk about transformation, and I encourage you to write this down, which is this right here. The goal of transformation through the word, the goal of a soul shift is not just to be better than we were before. It is to look like Christ. 
The Bible says, as Jesus is in this world, so are we. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Behold, old things are passed away and all things are made new. So this is really different from like, personal development work that's not Christ-centered, that is just about Sean Strickland being better than I used to be. Oh, in college, I used to cuss people out. Now I don't cuss people out anymore. No, it is about allowing the word to deal with every part of me so that I look more and more like Christ. So one of the things that I teach to help people understand this is something called the thinking-feeling cycle the thinking feeling cycle. Now, if you are any kind of nerd, you're probably going to really appreciate this because it shows us how our biology, psychology work together in order to impact our decisions. Basically, it says this. When we think a thought, that thought triggers a chemical and that chemical triggers a feeling that aligns with that thought. That feeling then triggers another thought, which triggers another chemical. So it looks like this. If I think nothing is working for me, I am going to trigger chemicals that create sadness, depression, frustration, and, and anger. And it is going to trigger those feelings in me. I am going to feel that I am defeated. So I am going to think more defeated thoughts. And every single day, at every single moment, we are all responding to our thinking feeling cycle. Like, have you ever seen somebody um, that no matter what is going on, they are going to find the positive in it. That is how they have trained their thinking, feeling cycle. Like things can be absolutely chaotic and they'll say, we're going to make it. We believe God is going to turn this around. We are overcomers, right? And so what's happening when they think those thoughts, they're going to release chemicals that actually um, invigorate them, that actually build their immune system, that actually strengthen them. They're going to produce feelings and it's going to be a cycle. So one of the things that we need to become aware of is our thinking. And sometimes the easiest way to locate our thinking is to identify our feelings. So say, for example, you get up and you're like, man, I'm just feeling really blah today, right? I need to stop and think for a minute. What am I thinking about that is triggering the chemical that is triggering the emotion that is creating block. And then I need to learn how to interrupt that and begin to say, listen, I may be feeling blah, but let me remind myself of how good God is. Let me thank the Lord for life and health. Let me thank the Lord for my family. God, I bless you. God, I honor you. God, I lift you up. God, I praise you. And what will begin to happen is that then we will begin to change the state of being that we are in so we can interrupt and pull ourselves out of that negative state, right? I found this out in all of my research over the years that praise really is for us. There is a study that says that when we praise God our, in our chemical makeup, the chemicals, the drugs we produce, actually change. So when we talk about lifting your hands to the Lord, when we talk about clapping your hands to the Lord, stumping your feet for the Lord, throwing your head back and saying hallelujah, it is not just some religious ritual. It literally changes the state of our soul. When my soul begins to make a boast in the Lord, even though I'm facing trouble and trials and tribulations, not only does it confuse the enemy, but it pulls my body, it pulls my mind out of that state. So it's so important that we begin to think about our thinking. And I encourage you to spend the next 30 days really thinking about your thinking. When you feel something, stop and saying, where did I get that from? Oh, you, oh my God, I'm feeling so happy today. Where did I get that from? Oh my goodness, I got up this morning. I stopped and I remembered to pray. I remembered to do my confessions. I remembered to read my Bible. I kissed my spouse before I left. I played with the dog before I left. All of those things are impacting how my soul is and the condition of my soul is going to impact 
my ability to consistently walk by faith. So I want to give you some steps that you can use to achieve a soul shift. Now, first, I want to say this. Here's the disclaimer. However you've been thinking, you've been thinking that way for a while. So the first thing I want you to do if you're going to take this journey is to make a decision to be kind to yourself. However you thought about money, however you thought about healing, however you thought about relationships, however you thought about your career, your purpose, your destiny, your ministry, you've thought that way for a while. Transformation of our thinking is not magic, but it starts with number one, we must make a decision to shift. Before we even know that everything that the Holy Spirit wants to expose, everything he wants to prune according to John 15, every way that he wants to deal with us, we must make a decision to shift. We must make an intentional decision to shift our identity and align our soul with God's word. This decision involves acknowledging that there is a gap between our current identity and the identity God has ordained for us. All right. So it's not that we beat ourselves up. It's that we look at the scripture and we say, the Bible says that the joy of the Lord is my strength. I don't feel joy most days. I only seem to feel joy if everything is going right. There is a gap. I am now going to make a decision to acknowledge that gap. And then I'm going to use the word to close that gap. So what am I going to do? I'm going to go find me three scriptures on joy. I'm going to begin to confess them. I'm going to make a list of the things that bring me joy. And I'm going to begin to pay attention to the language that I use that steals my joy or the people that I hang with that steals my joy. And I am going to begin to interrupt those cycles. I'll give you a good example that we see a lot. Research says that 80% of people do not like their job. And it's because 80% of people are aligned, out of, out of alignment with doing what, what God created them to do. So we can see this cycle if we if you're on social media, you can see this cycle. If you if you've ever worked in the workplace, you can see this cycle. You can see that a part of this thinking feeling cycle has people living for the weekend. People believe they cannot live their best life until the weekend, right? So what do we see? People are so excited for Friday. People are so excited for Saturday. And then on Sunday, people begin to dread Monday. What are they doing? They're thinking. Man, I got to go back in here. Man, I, don't, I really hate this job. Man, I don't make enough money. Now they're triggering chemicals. Now those chemicals are going, blah, we hate this job. Ooh, now I'm irritable. Now I'm aggravated. Now I'm like, oh, I don't want to go to work on Monday. Then I get up on Monday and everything goes wrong. And I go, I don't understand why everything goes wrong. And then we say stuff to each other like, oh, my computer's not working because it's a Monday. Oh, I got caught in traffic because it's a Monday. Not realizing that we are creating our reality because our position about Monday is now allowing us to feel things about Monday, um, create chemicals about Monday, be aggravated, angry, irritated, and frustrated about Monday. And then now we're showing up in the world that way, wondering why Monday always feels like a Monday. I hope that's helping you, right? But what if even if you didn't like your job, you begin to say, this may not be the ideal job, but Father, I thank you that I do have a job. I thank you that I have the ability to get up and go to work. Father, I thank you that I have the ability to provide for my family, and I thank you that better is coming. So, Father, I'm going to go to work today, and I'm going to work as unto the Lord, even though my supervisor gets on my nerves, even though I think the people in my company gossip too much. I'm going to show up full of joy. I'm going to show up full of peace, and I'm going to work with excellence because I know that you have something better to me. I guarantee you, if you begin to consistently do that, you would approach Monday differently. So then now what happens? Because people came into Monday with a deficit. Then they have something on Wednesday. What's it called? Hump day. Hump day. I just got to make it over. If I can make it over, I can get back living to the weekend. And people don't realize 
that the reason that is happening is because of their own thoughts and their own emotions about Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, not actually those days, because there are people who love Mondays. Monday is one of my favorite days of the week. Why? Because years ago, I decided I would not have miserable Mondays. I decided that God had been too good to me for me to have miserable Mondays. So I began to dig up the thinking. I had to make a decision. That means that when other people had said to me, man, I'm dreading to go to work. I had to intentionally say, man, I'm just glad I have a job and I know better is coming. So number one, I have to make a decision. What do you need to make a decision to do? What do you need to make a decision to think differently? Where do you need to make a decision to align your thinking to God's word, right? So after you make a decision, then number two is you need to give the Holy Spirit access to your soul. I see a lot of times in my work that people are like, Holy Spirit, change me. That's not how it works. You have to surrender to be changed. A lot of times we want Holy Spirit to take our bad attitude. We want Holy Spirit to take our past memories. No, we have to bring it. We have to say, I am willing to let you prune this. I am willing to let you transform this. We have to give Holy Spirit access to our soul. And I really want you to think John 15. I do not want you to be like, oh my goodness, this is going to be a cakewalk. No, because when the Holy Spirit begins to deal with you about the things you believe in your soul, it is going to feel like death because you think that's the real you. You think you really are that moody. You think you really don't like people. You think that you really are always aggravated. You're not, right? I say to people all the time, we are so quick to embrace a psychological study. I love personality studies. I love those tests. But we are so quick to embrace what somebody else has labeled us while rejecting what God has said about us. Right now, I'm going to stop and give you a little one of my own personal testimonies. I've been doing this work for years, but when the Lord really began to give it a label, he took me through what I consider to be an intense soul shift. It was over the course of 31 days in May of 2016, and it was pretty brutal. He said to me at the end of April, he said, listen here, because I had been saying to him, you know, those songs, I surrender all you can have my whole life. He's like, cool, I can have your whole life. I want it. Amen. So he says, for the next for the next month, he says, I want to meet with you every day and I want to show you the things you believe about yourself that are a lie. I want to tell you, I am not a big crier. I cried every day in May. Every day he would say, get in your car and ride. I would ride, I would go to the park and he would begin to talk to me about things that I believe based on my past, based on what someone else had said about me that did not align with what he said about me. And I'm going to tell you one that was really big. So I have been married for 20, for 29, almost 29 years. So at that time, what? I had been married 22 years, 21 years, something like that. And so what it kind of um, set me in on this journey is that um, um, Nigel Valley, who is our spiritual son, um, he is a photographer and he's one of those photographers that always captures moments that you don't know he captured. Well, he and our daughter, Kristen, were getting ready to leave um, our house one Sunday. And when we came out, I touched Pastor Edwin and he went, Nigel went, mm, that's interesting. And I was like, what? He was like, you never touch him first. And I was like, yes, I do. I touch him all the time. And Nigel, because he's like a non-conflict person, he like, cool, Pastor Sean. Okay. Pastor Edwin turns around and says, no, actually, you hardly ever touch me first. And I'm like, no, yes, I do. I touch you all the time. Right? And so... We go on and Kristen comes over and puts her hand on my shoulder, which is kind of our symbol that somebody's saying something to me that I really need to receive, even though I don't want to receive it. And Ellen's like, no, you actually don't touch me all the time. So I went to the Lord because I was aggravated because let me just tell the truth. I thought they were lying on me. So I went to the Lord so that he could prove that I was right and that they were wrong. And to my surprise, the Holy Spirit was like, no, ma'am, he's telling the truth. Nigel's telling the truth and Edwin is telling the truth. And so I began to ask the Holy Spirit to show me why. 
guys, this tripped me out. Years ago, when I was like 16 or 17 years old, sidebar conversation, my father was a player. My father was a hustler. I have lots of siblings. And I had gotten my heart broke one time. And my father said to me, listen, I can't teach you how to do love, but I can teach you not to get your heart broken. My dad spent a lot of time with me talking to me about things to do not to get my heart broken. Now, guys, fast forward. I go to college. I meet my husband. I'm married. I'm all in love. I never realized that because I still believe a lie about myself, that my heart is not as open to my husband as it could be. Did I want to feel that? Did I want to hear that? No, I didn't. And so the Holy Spirit, this is what I mean by giving the Holy Spirit access to your soul. At that time, my husband used to work in Richmond. He would leave on Monday. He would come back on Thursday night, um, Thursday night or Friday morning. And the Holy Spirit began to show me what I would do. I would be so, first of all, I would miss him so much when he was gone. The whole time he was gone, I would tell him that I missed him. On the way driving to the airport, I would talk to one of my friends. I would tell him how excited I was that Ellen was coming home. We will go to the movies. We will do something, blah, 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 whatever the case may be. And the Holy Spirit showed me when I would get to the airport to pick him up, instead of allowing all of that excitement to come out, I would say, girl, calm down. It doesn't take all of that. And I didn't even realize I was doing it. So it was causing me to show up in a way that I didn't even realize. And I never really, this is why I think it's so important that you give the Holy Spirit access to your soul. Because had I just examined myself, I would not have seen that. Had I just examined myself, I would have come and kept coming to the same conclusion. Oh my God, I'm so in love. I'm so affectionate. I'm so this. I'm so lying. The Holy Spirit had to say to me, you, even though you're married to someone you love, you are still showing up as that 16 year old girl who refuses to get injured again. I want to tell you that that revelation absolutely transformed my marriage. It transformed my marriage. Why? It helped me to become a woman that said, hey, can I have a hug? It helped me to be a woman who could touch my husband first, right? And so this is why I'm saying to you that you got to make the decision because when you give the Holy Spirit access to your soul, there are going to be things you find out that are not what you thought because you believe a lie. There are going to be things that you think are the real you and Holy Spirit is going to say to you, I didn't create you that way. That happened because of what happened to you when you were seven. That happened to you because of some injury. That happened to you because when you were first pastoring, you got betrayed. And he is going to take all of that. But please tell your virtual neighbor, let him take it, right? Then number three, so you got to make a decision to shift. You have to give Holy Spirit access to your soul. And number three, you have to do the right work to shift. Shifting our identity and aligning our soul with God's word is going to require intentional effort and action. This includes practicing spiritual disciplines such as prayer, Bible study, and worship, as well as doing the practical things. And I can't stress this. It wasn't enough for me to talk to God about wanting to be more affectionate. It wasn't enough for me to talk to God about being more emotional. I then had to do it. I had to do it. So when I would be sitting in my office and I would think, oh, I want to go hug, hug strict. I had to get up out of the chair, even though it felt stupid, even though it felt dumb, even though I wanted to say to myself, girl, it doesn't take all of that. I had to do the practical side. And that's what I mean in the beginning when I said that I think that people are end up going to church and being frustrated because yes, people are praying. Yes, people are confessing the word. Yes, people are sowing seeds. Yes, people are going to church. And yes, people love Jesus. But am I doing the right work that would get the result that I want? So I've got to do the right work. And that's also why we need the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit will help us know the right work for us. Number four, I have to acknowledge the lies I have treated as truth. One of the biggest obstacles to transformation is that the, we have believed lies about ourselves and our identity. 
From the time we were in our mother's womb, the enemy has bombarded us with lies. We're too smart. We're too dumb. We're too tall. We're too short. We're too fat. We're too skinny. We're too black. Whatever the case may be. He has constantly sent information to us to make us believe something differently than what God has said. Now, maybe some of the obvious ones we realize, but how many of us are walking around with things that somebody else said about us that we took as true, that the Holy Spirit is like, that is a lie. That is not how the Father created you. So I have to begin to acknowledge the lies as true. I, I mean, the I have to acknowledge the lies that I treated as true. I had to acknowledge the lie that it was my responsibility to protect myself and say, no, it's the Holy Spirit's job to protect me. So let him do his job. I had to acknowledge that I was lying when I was saying that I didn't want to hug or I didn't need that much affection. I had to acknowledge it as a lie. I had to acknowledge it and bring it into light. And guys, here's the tough part. I have to be willing to give people who love me permission to call out when I am operating in a lie-based identity. So like if I got angry at Edwin and he said, come here, give me a hug. And I'm like, I'm not hugging you. And he like, he's like, do you really not want to hug? Or are you doing that thing? You have to be willing to own that you believe things that are lies that did not come from God. Some of you are even trapped in certain paths because somebody well-meaning told you that was your path, but it's actually not the path God has for you. And you're wondering, why do you feel so frustrated with something that you used to love? Because God is trying to show you he has a different path for you. So you have to acknowledge your identity as that and give him permission to change it. Number five, you got to walk through the pain. It can be extremely painful to recognize the lies you have believed and how they have shaped your life. Shifting our identity and aligning with God, aligning our soul with God's word, word can be painful and it can be challenging. Why? Because it requires confronting and processing past wounds and experiences. And it, it requires us to be courage, courageous, vulnerable, and willing to embrace the discomfort of growth. So when we find out something about ourselves, it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to require that we're vulnerable and we're going to have to engage the discomfort of the growth. And we're going to have to let Holy Spirit help us during this process. So um, because one of the challenges that I want to add here is that when we're making this change, so God is stripping off what doesn't belong to us, but we're not sure how to put on the garment of what does, right? So how do I wear vulnerability, right? How do I embrace this new career path that God has for me, right? So we got to walk through the pain. And one of the ways that we can do that is to see this not as something we get to the finish line of, but something we go from faith to faith to glory to glory. Because remember, the goal is to look like Jesus, not just to be better than we were. Number six, we've got two more. We have to stop participating in the cycles produced by the lies. We have to stop participating in the cycles that are produced by the lies, right? So if I say, Oh, I don't really need anybody. I don't really like people. That is a lie. God did not create you not to like people. In fact, we are created to for relationship with each other. So I got to own it and I got to deal with why I begin to say that to begin with. And then I got to interrupt the cycle. So when someone might injure me or do something I don't like, and I would normally just cut them off or as the old people say, treat them from a long handle spoon, I have to interrupt that cycle. And so maybe instead of Tell him instead of just cutting off my sister, I got to say, I want to let you know that it hurt me when X happened, even if even if she doesn't respond the way I want her to. Why? Because the goal is about me transforming my soul, not me controlling other people. So our past experiences and belief can create patterns of behavior and thought that keep us stuck in a negative cycle. Breaking free from these cycles involves recognizing and rejecting the lies that refuel them and replacing them with God's truth. So, um, for example, a lot of times, here's one I hear a lot in ministry. Um, 
I hear, well, it's lonely in ministry. Well, where, who told you that? Number one, the Holy Spirit is a very present help in the time of trouble. He's always with us. He never leaves us nor forsake us. Number two, the scripture tells us he'll give us people for our lives. Where did we get that from? In truth, we got that from other people who have been injured in ministry and we begin to take it in truth. So then we begin to bring a build a world that does not make it easy to have relationships outside of ministry. And if you're in ministry, you need friends. I mean, you need friend friends, not just people that you say, hey, doc, what we running or hey, how's children church doing? But literally friend friends, friends you can go and have dinner with and talk about your dreams and your challenges and what you're believing God for and laugh and joke and have good, clean fun. You need friends, right? But if you have believed that, you have to interrupt that cycle to isolate or to add on one more thing rather than building relationships. And then number seven, our final one, we have to consistently affirm God's truth and take supportive action, supportive action. Achieving a soul shift requires consistently affirming and living out God's truth about our identity. This involves actively choosing to believe and declare God's word over our lives, as well as taking the actions that support this truth in our daily lives. In other words, number seven simply means we must practice. We have to practice. Once I realize I believe a lie, once I realize I've been making negative confessions about my health, I've got to practice. Once I realize I've exalted the doctor's words over God's words, I have to practice putting God's word in truth in, in first place. Once I realize that I have exalted what I can see in the natural about my finances in first place, I've got to practice exalting God's truth. I got to begin to interrupt that cycle. When I find myself saying my diabetes, I got to say, no, I've been diagnosed with diabetes, but it does not belong to me because I am the healed of the Lord. When I find myself looking at my account saying I never have enough money, I got to interrupt that and say, no, ma'am, Sean Strickland, your God supplies all of your needs according to his riches and glory. When I find myself wanting to isolate, I've got to come around people who love me and support me. I must practice. So I am praying for you because I know it is the will of God for you to live the John 10 and 10 life. Jesus truly came for you to have life and have it more abundantly. I am praying that you will have the courage to do these steps we've talked about, that you will give Holy Spirit, you will make a decision. You will give the Holy Spirit access to you. You will do the right work to shift and you will acknowledge the lies you have treated as true. You will willingly walk through the pain. You will stop participating in the cycles produced by lies. You will, and then you will consistently affirm God's truth and you will practice your new identity. And if you do those things a year from now, your life will look different. And five years from now, your life will look grossly different. And 10 years from now, you'll look back and say, God, I am so thankful that you took me through this process and you allowed me to become a living example of Romans 12 and 2, a person who is, does not conform to the world, but is renewed, but is transformed by the renewing of my mind. And you're literally out here living that good, perfect, and acceptable will of God for your life. I am praying for you. I hope you'll pray for me. I hope you got something out of this and you were blessed by this. And at this time, I'm going to turn it back over to Pastor Tuck. God bless you. Wow. Was that not an amazing revelation? I'm telling you. Soul shifting. That I mean, those, those principles and concepts that she just taught, those points she gave us about shifting the way that we think and figuring out what those those blocks are, those things that are hindering the way that we think, the things that are contrary to what God says about us. Man, I'm telling you, this is a totally transformational word. And if you've been listening to this word today and you're like, wow, this is really life-changing. This is something that I've really needed in my life. And I'm so excited about seeing how God's going to use this to help me get to the next level. But some of you may be listening like, man, what the things that she was saying was just so powerful, but I don't even know God like that. Well, guess what? This is your opportunity today. And 
I'm so glad that you're in the right place. Because if you've never received Christ and you desire to do so today, it's not hard. The first thing you've got to do is figure out what makes you think that you're not worthy. Because the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So you've got to go in and find that experience. Whatever, whatever you went through, whatever, who told you that lie that you couldn't be redeemed, you got to first get rid of that and receive the unadulterated word of God. The Bible says that all you must do is confess with your mouth and believe in your heart the Lord Jesus Christ and you could be saved. All you got to do is believe that God loved you enough to give up his son for you. That he hung, bled, and died on Calvary's cross to pay the price for your sin. And be willing to receive him not only as your savior, but also as your Lord. You got to be willing to submit your life to him. Allow him to have full control and direction over your life. Allow him to make your every decision. And if you're willing to do that, you can have the life that he's made available. So if you desire that today, pray this prayer with me. Precious God, come into my heart. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I believe that Jesus died for me. And I want to receive him as my Lord and my Savior. And if you desire that today, just say, Lord, be my father. Make me your child. Teach me how to live for you. If you've prayed that prayer, you're now part of the body of Christ, a family of believers, and there's nothing anybody can do to stop you. The next step in your journey is to find a Bible-teaching, Bible-believing church. One where you can have people around you that will help you grow, to help you become all that you can. And that's what we desire at my church. We desire to be a place that'll help surround you, to help you walk this thing out, to help you figure out all that God desired for your life, to know who you are, to help you walk it out, to help you become what God desired so that you can walk out your full potential in Christ, that you could be everything he so desired. We've got ministers standing by. Go to our website, follow the directions on the screen, Go to our website at www.lovemychurch.org, click contact us, fill out a connection card, and let us know. And somebody will get there, get back with you, and give you the next steps to walking this walk. To helping you become all that you are in Christ. Secondly, if you've been blessed by this ministry, and you want to help us continue to do what God's called us to do, which is spread the gospel of Christ all around the world, click the donate button, sow a financial seed. You can use Cash App, dollar sign, my church Lynchburg, paypal.me forward slash my church Lynchburg, or you can use the Givelify app. Or just go to our website, lovemychurch.org, and click sow a seed. But however you desire to give, just know that your gifts are going to help us continue to do this wonderful work of spreading the gospel all over the world. God has used us to launch this wonderful platform, this wonderful faith streaming network that. Our goal is to do nothing but to give you the tools to become all God who said you are. To help you shift your soul. To make you transform your thinking. To become all that God said. To remove every hindrance. And on the My Church channel, we've got all kinds of content to help you do so. We've got the Word at My Church. We've got Medicine for the Mind, which is substance abuse. We've got the Man Cave and Women of Worth, which is teaching for our women and our men. We have Marriage Seer Training, which is marriage training. We have the Heart of the Pastor, which helps you receive the man and woman of God that God has assigned for your life. But we've got all kinds of teaching. And also, we even have the Akintunde Show, which is a wonderful show that's lighthearted laughter and ministry that helps you just be able to relax and get rid of some of those stress and anxiety that you're carrying. But all of those things we bring to you on just about every platform available. Roku, Fire Stick, Apple TV. And now we're officially even on Google TV. We're on the most popular streaming platforms available, as well as your Apple 
and Android phones and tablets, and even on your PC. We want to make sure that the word is available everywhere. But that's not a small task. So if you want to help us do that kind of ministry, if you want to help us make sure that the gospel is going to the ends of the earth as God has commanded us to do, so see. But in any event, God bless you today. We love you and we pray you've been blessed by this word and this ministry. In any event, come back and see us again on next time. I'm Pastor Tuck. God bless you. We love you. And stay tuned for our announcements. We'll see you again on next time. Thank you for watching The Word at My Church. At My Church, we help people get better by teaching them how the Word works. And we want to make sure there is no excuse not to get the Word. It's our goal to make all of our ministries accessible on every smartphone, tablet, PC, and television connected to the Internet. So whether you're a man who needs some wisdom, a woman who needs some encouragement, or a couple who needs guidance, the My Church channel has just what you need. Simply search for the My Church channel on Roku, Fire Stick, or Apple TV, or visit MyChurchChannel.org. You can also download the My Church On The Go app from Apple or Google Play App Store. Constantly on the move? Check out the Word At My Church podcast on your favorite podcast platform. or simply download the Word at My Church skill on your Alexa-enabled device. But whatever you do, make sure to stay connected. See you soon.